The Sherrod family enjoys spending a lot of time outside. Hence, we care what goes into our environment. That's why we support propane, the energy for everyone. Did you know that propane produces fewer greenhouse gas emissions than electricity generated on the U.S. grid? Propane's emissions are 43% fewer. That's a lot. Propane is clean, dependable, and affordable. Plus, it's produced right here in the USA. Let's all do our part to reduce emissions from our homes, cabins, and businesses by choosing propane, the right energy right now. To learn more about propane, the energy for everyone, go to propane.com. Welcome to Worst Seats in the House. Michael Russo, Anthony LaPanta, come to you live from Split Rocks in uh, Wyoming, Wyoming, Minnesota. Our next live show is uh, March 28th, Monday night at total 7 p.m. Anthony will have... Special guests. Nice. Do we want to say or just uh, let it be special guests? Yeah, we'll go with special guests All for right. now. So a surprise, because <laughs> Anthony clearly hasn't secured them. Uh, so... Uh, it's just a big surprise, not right. only to, to you all, but to the people that are the guests. So. Yeah, I'd hate to have them find out on the show. Yeah, exactly. No, we've got guests lined up. It'll be a great show next Monday night. Yep. And, uh, and I will be down. I'm, I'm going to be on assignment. Uh, we have such a huge budget at Talk North that they're sending me on assignment down to, to Palm Beach, uh, Florida. I'm going to be at the GM's meetings there. So, uh, so I will be down there. Maybe I'll check in uh, during the show, Anthony. Um, and I'm obviously, I'm just kidding. I'm going down there with the athletic. So uh, that'll be fun to go down to the GM's meetings and, uh, and uh, find out about the gridlock on those 40 different uh, calls they had on the queue yesterday to put in those trades. The Victor Rast trade like, went through at like 5.30, 6 o'clock. Well, the one between... Anaheim and Vegas still didn't go on. through until 6.30. It yeah. was... Well, and it's still, right it's now... Still it's still technically like it's not even done, right? Yeah. It, yeah, it's crazy how that how bottled up they got last... In There were so many trades in the days leading up to, and we had talked about yeah. it, I think, on last week's show, that teams were more aggressive prior to the deadline this year so that they didn't get backed into a corner right at the, the final moment, and yet it still turned out to be... I think they said yesterday there were... 15 trades in the final 30 minutes yeah. that reached the queue, and then it takes them a while to sort through them, and the Vegas-Anaheim trade is a perfect example where a player was dealt that had a no-move clause from a previous contract with a previous team, so it's, it's crazy that even in a, a major professional sports league, teams make deals that they can't make, and the league has to catch them that, nope, this doesn't work, this puts you over the cap, this puts you too many contracts, or whatever the case might be. It's bizarre to me that you're still experiencing those kind of things. It's like what you'd have in a fantasy league, not in a national hockey league. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. Actually, one of the stories I want to do down at the GM's meetings is, is just more of a lighthearted story on this queue and how, you know, they used to do the fax machine now, and the, the queue to me is hilarious. Like, like literally, I, talk, I texted with people today, they were like listening to elevator music for two and a half hours on hold. I mean, it'd be like, you know, you almost want it to be like when you call Delta Airlines and they call you back, and they're like, all right, we'll call you back at this number. In the order that your call was received. <laughs> exactly. um, so uh, again, welcome to Split Rocks here in Wyoming. Thanks for everybody for coming out here. A really nice crowd. Uh, everybody makes some noise so people listening actually know that there are people here. Yeah. There you go. Um, That's a good to, crowd tonight. Yeah, really good crowd tonight. Uh, thanks to uh, Grain Belt. Uh, for being one of our incredible sponsors for the show. If you buy a premium minorities pint tonight for $3.50, you fill out your name on that little form over there. Legibly, at the end of the night, we're going to pull out a name and somebody's going to win that hunting chair. Um, I didn't realize it was a... Is it a hunting chair? Hunting chair, and I think it's a cooler, too. Yeah, I think that it doesn't really look like you can sit on it. Well, of course you can sit on it. I don't know, kind of really... He said last week it was a hunting chair. I think that was last week's thing, and this is something else. It's the else. same. It's the same thing. I don't know. I don't think it could have... You do a lot I, of hunting? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So uh, it's an incredible looking hunting chair. And so uh, everybody, uh, if you fill out, if you buy a beer, fill out your form right there, put it in there. At the end of the night, we'll do a drawing. If you come up and ask a question, uh, feel free. We'll call you up. Um, fill out your name, legibly. Put it in there. 
And at the end of the night, we'll do a drawing. We also have a bunch of cool swag up here from Grain Belt, hats, bottle openers, uh, T-shirt. And also Josh Driver is here, uh, incredible photographer here locally, joshdriverphotography.com. You can follow him on Instagram as well. He's even on Twitter because I no notice him liking my tweets a lot. And uh, he is um, somebody, I own a lot of his pieces in my house as well. Um, shoots incredible stuff of uh, downtown Minneapolis, downtown, I mean, iconic places in Minneapolis, St. Paul, the North Shore, uh, Duluth, everything. So joshdriverphotography.com. So definitely check out his stuff. And he's got a lot of his samples here. So definitely go check out, um, this, yeah, I mean, on aluminum, on slate, everything. So Anthony, big week for the Minnesota Wild. Um, they made a couple trades. Uh, the biggest one of them all, uh, Victor Rask to Seattle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I can't wait to see what the future considerations are. This, yeah. was, a, this was a major deal, blockbuster deal. I, uh, when I got, I got wind of that at about 1.50 yesterday, thinking that it was going to come out in like 15, 20 minutes. Um, I knew there was a gridlock at the queue, so I also didn't want to jump the gun and tweet it out and then find out that, he, that it fell through and he wasn't traded. Um, and also, I mean, look, you know, when things are told here off the record, sometimes off the record means you can go with it. Sometimes off the record means off the record. This one was off the record, but I did have some fun with the fans and said there's a while that had one more tr trade coming. I didn't think it was going to last like four hours before I could say what the trade was. So fans thought I was essentially trolling them, which I kind of was anyway. Uh, but uh, the worst part of this is uh, the, the, uh, the, you know, there's a really popular uh, podcast in town that, that rivals us called the Rask Tech Cast, Anthony, and that one is now... Uh, Are those the guys that came to the yeah, couple that's right, shows? Yeah, right there, oh, one of the hosts. Right yeah, yeah, oh, nice. Yep, Rask Cast is now So you guys extinct. moving to Seattle now? You're part of the trade? <laughs> yeah. He, he just got back from uh, Des Moines. Uh, so uh, did you see? How about this one? They assigned him to Charlotte. So they trade for him, and they didn't even bring him to Seattle, which makes me think that it was, this was more like a deal for the Wild to you know, get out of half, the 400 grand they essentially save. And right now, the Wild, they're a million and a half behind the cap. And the reason why that's important is uh, you know, I, I really do suspect that they're going to go after Ben Myers as a free agent. And the other thing is that Matt Boldy might get some performance bonuses here. So you also, we know that the Wild are going to be up against the cap next year. You don't have any overages because of your bonuses. So those are my guesses that this was partially a little favor for the Wild to take him. I don't even think the Wild thought he was going to be assigned to Charlotte, though. Yeah, I mean, I really thought when I saw it that it was Seattle because they had made a couple deals where they were going to be short players. That yeah, they just that, needed exactly. somebody to fill in in the NHL. I didn't. I guess I missed the part that he was assigned to Charlotte. Yeah, I, I'm I sure he'll be that. up in Seattle at some point yep, yep. here. But. So we're 10 minutes into the show, and we haven't even mentioned the Wild draft uh, traded for a future Hall of Famer. Maybe the only Hall of Famer that's played in the, put on a Minnesota Wild uniform to this point in franchise history, and that's Marc-Andre Fleury. And, and it is funny, Anthony. I mean, we've... we've Discussed Marc-Andre Fleury on this podcast a lot. Both of you and I didn't think it was a necessity until, for me, about three or four weeks ago when I felt the goaltending started really, really slip. And I just felt like it was something that just, you look at the, you know, I am an analytics expert, as everybody knows. Right. I've been really studying the numbers lately. And I'm the guy who usually has to explain it to you. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and so, uh, so I'm looking at these uh, numbers lately, and the underlying numbers for both of them were near the bottom of the league. And I just think that... that to give this team a shot in the arm, like I, I've, I am not kidding you when I tell you that I've texted with players in the last 36 hours that said that that locker room was on fire yesterday. And it's, trust me, nobody wanted to see Capo Kakinen go anywhere. Everybody in that room loves Cam Talbot. But when Marc-Andre Fleury walks in there, it's an iconic figure. He's got this this aura about him. Even when he walked into the press conference room, Anthony, yesterday, you're just it's like... Just different. Yeah, I mean, Marc-Andre Fleury is sitting in front of a wild backdrop. It just was right. weird. And I, I think when we were talking about Fleury as a potential goaltender that the Wild might target, and I think both of us downplayed it and, and dismissed it, That and part of that was because of what the asking price was at that time. We were hearing rumors that it was a number one pick plus, and I just would not have... At the price they got him, I think it's a no-brainer deal. And I think the analytics, you're exactly right. The, the Wilds' defensive structure still has them among the best in the league in terms of what their goalie's save percentage should be. And they're near the bottom of the league in what the save percentage actually is. I don't think they had any confidence going into a playoff game with Kakinen in goal. So this way, you've got two veteran guys if one of them falters, you know you can count on the other one, or at least the other one has proven that they have had success in the playoffs before. So I think it's a great move and a no-brainer move at the price point that it took to bring him in. 
And, and really, it was a no-brainer move for Chicago. The guy's going to be a free agent at the end of the year. You're out of it, going nowhere. He wanted to move. Why not move him? And, and it was interesting talking to Billy about the way things progressed. And we think we have a deal done. The deal's blown up. We think we have a deal done. The deal's blown up. Yeah. And, and then when he finally just said, look, if we get to the Western Conference final and Fleury's been a big part of it, and the two ends up being a one, it was absolutely worth it. And I think I couldn't agree more with that. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, you know, I, this is something I got wind of probably about five or six days ago and really felt confident to write it on Saturday when Chicago was in town, and I just had this um, really good sense from uh, multiple uh, avenues that this was something in the works. And when I really decided to go strong with it on my Saturday story, um, uh, I really did get a very good sense from sources close to Flurry that he was willing to waive his no-move clause to come here. And when that came down, knowing that even Bill Guerin started this process, I just figured the trade would get done. Um, and then, you know, you get worried because then you write that big story Saturday and then national people are refuting you, you know, saying that it's, you know, one-sided thing. And I'm like, all right, maybe I shouldn't have gone with these sources as much. And uh, but, but again, I checked on it Sunday, and I was again told 100% he was going to waive his no move to come here. And so what it was, was bizarre is that he didn't play the Saturday game here, right. which made it look like they're holding him out because a deal's imminent. Then he started the next right. night at home, and, which was crazy. Yeah. But I'll tell you what clinched it for me was I was talking with Pat Foley, the Chicago play-by-play guy, and then Eddie Olchick, their color guy, before the game on Saturday. And I asked them, because I said, you know, we're, we've heard some grumblings that the Wild are kicking the tires on Flurry or that other teams are as well. And I said, do you, what do you guys think about his game? And they both looked at me and said, he has been the Blackhawks' MVP, and it isn't close. Like, without him, we'd be losing games 7-2 to two every night. No. And they watch him every night. I trusted their opinion. So as soon as they said that, then when I started to hear the rumors of what the Wild might be offering... I was, it was, to me, it was a no-brainer deal. It was and, a, and I mean, is, one year removed from a Vesna. Right. Mean, this is not like a, you know, 37-year-old goalie coming here that, that uh, you know, hasn't played, that's in the back half of, uh, of even being good, you know? I mean, this is somebody that was great last year. We saw it in the playoffs and things like that. Um, and it and was, he doesn't it was, have to play against the Wild anymore, which yeah. has been his biggest nemesis yeah, in his the, career. His, his worst save, his worst numbers in his career against Minnesota, and especially in this building. So hopefully that changes, though. Um, but you know, it, it, I'll, I'll say this: like it, the one thing that happened with Sunday, with that, with him starting that game, that was an absolute game of chicken. They were at that point, things looked like they were unraveling between Chicago and Minnesota, and the Blackhawks essentially called the Wild and said meet our price or we're starting him. And I think Billy Guerin said, go ahead. And uh, they started him. And uh, he didn't fare very well. Uh, you know, half of me thought that maybe they should call him up and say, you remember that second we were offering you, now it's a fourth. Um, but they didn't do that route. And uh, Bill Guerin had dinner the night before with his staff. Um, they decided a way that maybe they could satisfy both parties. Um, he slept on it. And the first thing that he did uh, yesterday morning was call up uh, Chicago. And then they made the deal where not only did they retain 50% of the contract, but the Wild were willing to give up a first-round pick if they go to the Western Conference Final and Flurry wins four of the eight games in the first two rounds to get them there. What was really interesting is that at the last second, though, according to sources, is that all of a sudden Chicago wanted Capo Kakinen, but we all know now that Capo Kakinen, they already had a deal done with San Jose uh, to get Jacob Middleton, and so the Wild were able to still make the deal without Kakinen being thrown Kakinen being thrown in there. Let's talk about Jacob Middleton before we get to Delorier. Uh, Jacob Middleton, um, so coincidentally, I'm watching the San Jose, uh, Arizona game the night before. You know, I'm sure you were too. I wasn't. So in that game, Galchenya cuts to the net. Does one of those dipsy doodle things that he used to try to always do here. Jacob Middleton, of all people, steps into him just drills him cleanly and just drives him into like outer space. It was, it was, I mean, honestly, it was unbelievable. Like it was, it was, it was, it was something to be seen. And, you know, I, I wrote in my mailbag that I thought that Middleton would be an interesting uh, pickup for them because he, to me, of all the interesting, like super physical defensemen, bigger defensemen out there, tougher defensemen out there, he was only the only one that to me was intriguing because of his age. You go get Giordano, he's 39. You go get Chari's 45, 
You know, like this guy is somebody, he could become a restricted free agent this summer. You could sign him cheaply. He's somebody that has also played with Carlson and Burns this year and played quite well. I, th- I think that there's a chance that we see him Thursday night next to Jared Spurgeon. Well, I think we'll see him Thursday night, and I think eventually we probably see him next to Spurgeon. I don't know if they'll go that quickly into it on Thursday. There's actually a part of me that kind of hopes they go, they stick with Goligoski there and make him prove that he's capable of playing there. I don't know a lot about him. It, what do you have? Thirteen or fourteen games in the NHL prior Before to this, this season, and now Last this year he's been, draft. and this season he's been he's been very good. But I, I don't watch a lot of Sharks games. When we saw him, he didn't really stand out much to me. I asked Billy Guerin this yesterday, and I said, I, I just don't remember much about him. And Billy said, I remembered a little bit. And then when we all of a sudden started talking about his name, he said, I watched his last two games, and he, this guy's something. Yeah. And so then through a few other people, and I know you had reached out to some people with San Jose, so did I, so did West Walls. And the guys, every single one of them came back with two things. Number one, tremendous locker room guy and everybody's going to like him and number two capable of playing higher up in the lineup than he's played so far in San Jose so we'll see if those two things if those two things both turn out to be true and I mean he is big so and he's exactly what the wild have been looking for other than the fact that he's a left shot instead of a right shot but you know that may not matter quite as much as the fact that they needed a bigger sturdier thicker defenseman and they got it in in Middleton we'll find out I I just I really haven't I don't I haven't watched him play closely and analytically enough to have a strong opinion on him but everybody sure raves about him yeah uh for um I first of all I talked to Logan Couture yesterday and and he also said that the wild are gonna absolutely love this guy locker room guy um you know he thinks somebody with that has incredible work ethic the wild now have told us the same thing and he's got the four uh, the Wild now have the, the four of the top ten fighters in the league this year in terms of uh, fights, so that's something. Um, the, the, you know, you, you, he fights, he blocks shots, he's physical, uh, so that adds to just making them tougher to play against. Nick Delorier made quite the first impression yesterday, Anthony. Uh, game-winning goal, seventh player in Wild history to score his game-winning goal in his Wild debut. Um, six hits in the game. Uh, players love him. In the locker room, they love him. He already says that this is the tightest team he's ever been on, and this is somebody that's been in the league for a long, long time. Uh, pretty impressive guy. Well, his first couple shifts sure were impressive. I mean, it looked like he was going to run guys through the wall in those first two shifts. And then the fact that he scored as a bonus. I mean, this guy, he's not going to, he isn't going to be a big scorer. But the way he plays, the straight lines in which he, with which he plays, unbelievable. And I think the biggest thing with adding DeLaurier is that now Marcus Foligno can be a hockey player. And I, I really think I'd be anxious to, to have a longer conversation with Billy about it. But with how important that line of Greenway, Felino, and Eck has been, whenever you had to disrupt it because Felino had to stand up for a teammate, or even Greenway, who had done that a few times here lately, and all of a sudden you lose your most reliable defensive line for five, seven minutes in a game, they just, I think, realized they didn't want to have that and needed somebody else to be the guy to make sure that the, the ice is policed and the wild scores are protected. Not that Felino still won't be a physical player and certainly not that he won't be willing to drop the gloves if he has to, but now he doesn't have to do it as often. And it, I think that's the biggest impact that Delorier makes on this team. And And suddenly the fourth line has a very different look to it. And he played with some speed and some pace last night. We'll see well, if he's that's able skater, to continue. Right? Yeah, good yeah, skater. I mean, you know, for uh, a big guy. Yeah, really good skater. And and um, I I talked to somebody uh, within that wild bench today that said that we grew up six feet last night. The way that they played and yep. the confidence they I had. I asked Wes that during the broadcast yeah. last night. I said you can almost feel it. Yeah. When he goes on the ice and has the first couple shifts that he had. It was like everybody else grew six inches yeah. and, and played with a little bit more swagger and a little bit more confidence. And Wes made an interesting point. He said, you know, when you, when you look back at, you remember the 03 team that he was a part of that made the run to the conference finals, that they had a lot of skill and they weren't through the lineup necessarily a big team, but they had a couple really tough guys on that team that he said made it, none of us worried about it. We never had to worry about getting run in the corner, about absorbing a cheap hit in the, in the center ice area, because we had guys that everybody else knew that they had to answer to if they did. And 
it he sort of made us all play with a lot more confidence down the stretch. And I hadn't really thought about that yeah. team in that way before, but they sure had yeah. it. Well, I'm telling you, when when the Wild played those two games against Winnipeg and Felino had a, Felino and Greenway had to take care of business, and it really threw them off those games. And then they lost those two games to Calgary, where they just did not, you know, they looked physically outmatched. I think that changed really a lot of the mentality of what they were going to do at the trade deadline. I think they felt they had to get tougher and harder to play against. And I think we're seeing it now. I mean, Delorier is a, he's an intimidating presence. You think if the Wild played Vegas in the playoffs, that William Carlson's going to want to get near that crease again? No, I mean, that, that, that stuff, there's a part, this is stuff that's part of the game. Him dragging him out there, out of there. Right. I mean, obviously, it was, it was, it was meant to. And do you think anybody else on that team is going to stand yeah. up and say, hey, don't drag our guy Ex- out of there? Exactly. I mean, yesterday morning when, when I was down there um, after all those trades and I was talking to Pete DeBoer and Zach Whitecloud and Chandler Stevenson and Jonathan Marshall, so they all talked about how much better the Wild are now, tougher and harder. When have we ever covered a Wild team going into the playoffs where you look at them and you're like, they might be bigger than most every team they're playing, and they might be tougher. And so we'll see if it, if it happens. But that's the, that's the reason why these moves were made, and it's clearly uh, designed to make them a harder team to play. And I still think you, you have some flexibility, too, with the guys. When Now you start to look at the guys that aren't in your lineup every night on the fourth line. Guys I mean, like Bukestad or yeah. Dewar. I mean, those are still serviceable NHL of, players. One of Goligoski, Merrill, Kulikov's coming out. out. Right. Yeah. And so now you can keep guys fresh, you can keep guys healthy, and you can change the dynamic of your team a little bit based on a matchup or based on a night by changing some of those pieces. So I think we'll see some of those. We haven't seen the last of those other guys yet this it's year. It's going to be injuries. So, yeah, you know, sure. was talking about that. I mean, how many injuries did they have in their lineup yesterday compared to the Wild? Wild at zero, and they had yeah, like a hundred. crazy. Yeah. I mean, Four guys that, the, that were in their lineup that weren't on their roster yeah. in the morning. Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. That got there. Uh, those minor leaguers from from Henderson, Nevada, got there 15 minutes before the game. Right. Those four guys. Oh, I know. I was the guy doing the play-by-play. Yeah. And um, <laughs> as, I'm letting them know, Anthony. Um, Margo, how many beers have you had? <laughs> Vinny, get her another. I was texting the Vegas TV producer in his truck as the team hit the ice for warm-ups, and I had four numbers. I said, all right, who's 49... 65, whatever, and he's texting me back their names, and I said, okay, now I need pronunciations. He's texting me there. It was, I haven't been in a spot like that in the NHL ever. Yeah. And even the, when the Wild came around with the first set of the rosters then for the game, one of the guys wasn't on it. And I said, well, all right, your line chart has this guy on it, but he's not on the roster. And they, they got it corrected, and it was, it was strange, and, and it was an indication of how quickly things can change. They still they had two guys that went on into COVID protocol, which is, I think, the first two guys since the protocols have yeah, changed Adam since the, the break. Yeah, the other day, too, in Winnipeg. But. Okay, so there have been three. And I, when, they got, when their producer told me that, I thought, I didn't even, I kind of <laughs> forgot this was a thing. <laughs> and, but then their other guys are beat up, and, they're, and they back themselves into this corner. I mean, number one, over the first four years of existence, with going all in and basically throwing away all their draft picks. They don't have the supplement of guys that can come in at the league minimum. And then this year, when they made the Eichel trade, everybody in the league knew that, well, this means you can't have all your guys active at the same time. And now we've seen it. So as soon as Eichel was active, Mark Stone had to go on long-term IR. Pacioretty's been beat up all year. They are really fighting it right now, and they are really in a tough spot to make yeah. the playoffs. Last night's game might have, might have been a knockout punch in terms of their pursuit of the wild. Minnesota's now got six points up on them with four games in hand. I just don't see how they make that up. And they're one, if Minnesota was going to miss, they'd have to be caught by Vegas and Dallas or something like that at the bottom of the, yeah. of the wild card race. They're going to have a tough time making I, it. Now, if they do and everybody's healthy, they could be a handful in the first round. But I just, they're going to have a tough time even getting in. I saw one model today that had the Wild at 99.5% of it to make the playoffs. They should. I mean, really, the teams that would have to catch them to knock them out, it's a little misleading when you look at the standings because of the fact that they they would have to get passed by either the sixth-place team in the Central or all of those teams in the Pacific, all four in the Pacific. And it's just, I just don't see... I can't imagine that's going to happen. Uh, last trade that was made was Jack McBain's rights traded to Arizona for a second-round pick. Uh, Vancouver's second in 2022. 
um, you know, for Bill Guerin to get a second round pick for somebody that could have just signed there for free in August, pretty good value there. Um, and obviously the Wild's still not happy that he didn't sign here, but to get a second round pick. I mean, they might, they might have traded him. interesting McBain. about that. You mentioned yeah. one of them, and I think that is a valid point. I mean, Arizona could have signed him for nothing. You know, this does, because they still have to sign him, right? And so the fact that Guerin gets something for basically nothing, but why wouldn't he have wanted to sign here is the, is the crazy part. Yeah. I'm not sure why you'd look at this roster and say, well, I'd certainly rather be in Arizona than here. Yeah, um, you know, uh, I, I think I haven't studied Arizona's center depth uh, like the Wilds, but I think he just, the way it's been explained to me, and I, I sent him a text yesterday and he didn't respond, and his agent uh, I think is going to, was supposed to call me today, and hopefully I'll call him in the next couple of days. But talking to sources close to Jack, I think he just looks at this roster as saying, all right, well, Rossi's coming. Euler's an ex-sign for seven years after this one. They, you know, he figures Hartman's going to, you know, continue to be in that position. They obviously have uh, Goudreau just traded for Jost. I think he just looks at it as, you know, maybe not high, high, high end depth, but too much depth for him to, to crack the lineup. And, and so we'll see. I mean, if you want to compete for a spot, go to Arizona and play in a college rink. So, um, so and lose. Yeah. So, um, although I'll tell you what, they're, they've, they're, man, they're scoring goals now and look like they've got a... They're still going to lose. So, um, back to, let's go, go back to, you know, so we glossed over the trades. Um, let's talk Flurry again. Um, Cam Talbot's won six in a row. He's coming off a shutout. Who do you start Thursday night against the Vancouver Canucks? I'm, I haven't talked to Dean about this I'm at all. Flurry. I think they go Flurry. Yeah. I think that it was. I think they're going to go Flurry no matter what happened last night. And you've got back to back Saturday, Sunday. They'll each get one of those. And I, I just think right now you look at it and say, we're going to be, we're going to get both of these guys plenty of work between here and the finish. And I, I think Talbot played great the other night. Actually, I think he's been really good his last three, three starts. Games, Boston, yeah. Chicago. I thought he was terrific. Last night, I thought he was great. And but I, I think it was predetermined that they were going to go to Flurry tomorrow night. I don't think now you turn to him and say, yeah. "Hey, Cam, pitch the shutout." So so you're on the bench again. Yeah. If the next two games weren't back to back, maybe you'd go Cam again and then say Flurry's going to get the next two. But you just made a blockbuster trade for a Hall of Fame goalie that's got third most wins in the league. You got to give him. Right. A start. You're going to play him. <laughs> yeah. Um, here's the most interesting thing. Like. Like I feel like I have a pretty good sense of Bill Guerin and 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 uh, and his thinking now. There is no way in my, in my that if Flurry performs, if Flurry likes it here, and this team goes on a run, there is no way that he doesn't attempt to re-sign him. And if that's the case, it throws even everything else out of whack that we've already talked about. Like I already feel like it is. Wait, are you gonna go down to? Can't have Fiala and Dumba both here again? No, well, I'm telling you that the, the plan now is to trade Fiala in the offseason. But now the plan is if you bring, if you bring Flurry back, I'm telling you, like, that all of a sudden opens the door maybe a cam trade and all sorts of things. Now, you know, I'm telling you they're going to want to bring Delorier back. Middleton now needs a, is going to need a new contract. I mean, everything that we thought we knew before is even made more confusing now. I never thought I knew anything. No. <laughs> How, well, I'm, the, know, I'm how, the reporter. Right, how funny was it yesterday when Billy Guerin just turned matter-of-factly and said, I know what we're going to do in the offseason. So do I. And, and it's, I mean, it, we've, we've joked about this because people ask about it every week. That, and every time I've just there, we have no idea what's yeah. going to change between now and the end of the season. And yesterday was a perfect example. Things changed dramatically right. yesterday. And to have been guessing what was going to happen prior to yesterday would have was futile and i still think that there's a whole bunch that could change between now and summertime but and when he says that i'm comfortable with our with that i know our plan i'm comfortable with it and i know what we're going to do he knows what he's going to do and i'm telling you what i'm t- what i'm what i mean just reading the tea leaves everything they're doing doing the reporting that i'm doing independently i think that is what he is referring to i am comfortable with the decision that we have made right now yeah he's yeah. got a plan yeah I don't know what it is. I'm telling you what it is. <laughs> yeah. um, well, you've you know told, what I was thinking today? Eight different plans yeah. so far this so, year. Middleton, um, I was thinking this today. Middleton, as I was driving up here, he's wearing number five. Kim Janssen's old number. Janssen was the last pick in his draft. Middleton, last pick in his draft. How, I mean, it's, it's like see, the last those pick are perfect exa- I mean, we have to see. I think they really have to see how Middleton fits, how Delorier fits. All of these guys, if it works out great, that changes what you've got in your mind going into the offseason and 
if they just turn out to be not quite the right fit, or maybe it's maybe you get too big and now you're not as fast, or maybe you it, they just don't mesh with the guys you have. I I don't know. We have to wait and see all that stuff. And and then Flurry, you have to find. I mean, what if he just doesn't like it here? Yeah. I mean, I think he will, and I have no. How can anybody not uh, like it here? Right. That's what I'm saying. I'm sure that he will. Me. And the yeah. teams again, they've got a chance to compete and. Everybody seems to love playing for Dean Evison. There's no reason for him not to, but what if it just doesn't work? What if what if he comes here, Cam plays great, and he only gets nine starts, and Cam's the guy in the playoffs, and he says, I, I want to go somewhere else? Yeah. Um, that reminded me of the Seinfeld's mom when uh, when Jerry was yeah. saying. How, how could they not love you? Yeah, yeah. and, and uh, Jerry's like, believe it or not, some people don't <laughs> like me. Jerry! Like, watch your mouth. All right, who has a question? Come on up. I got a sore throat. I'm tired of listening to Anthony, too. <laughs> hey, hockey fans. Jerry Bosch here again from Bosch Law Firm and WorkCompExperts.com. If you're injured at work, it's never too soon to contact the lawyers and awesome staff at Bosch Law Firm. We'll answer all your questions, help you set up your work comp claim, and help you select professionals who will be there to help you, not the insurance company. And with almost 30 years of litigation experience, if your benefits are denied, we'll fight to get you paid. Bosch Law Firm. The call's always free and there's never a fee unless we obtain benefits on your behalf. Call or text us at 651-333-8300 or visit us at workcompexperts.com. Do you want great quality drinking water? What about great quality drinking water you can get right from your sink in your fridge? Eliminate plastic water bottles and have convenient water-free drinking water. Great for coffee, tea, cooking, and of course drinking. And did I mention coffee? Aquarius Home Services Connecticut has a variety of water treatment options for you to get the quality water you deserve, and they offer a free water analysis. Their trusted specialists will come visit your home and will provide quality options that make sense for you and your home. Contact Aquarius Home Services Connecticut for a free water analysis. They're just a click away at AquariusHomeServices.com, and don't forget to mention Russo sent you. That morning that I tore my ACL, MCL, meniscus on the ski slopes, I did not want to go to the doctor because I knew that they were, Margo was going to snap. So, but I did. And Dr. Boyd did a tremendous job on it. And, and I, we've got a couple friends who right now are going through ACL surgery and rehab. And I just said, just trust your doctor because that's what I did with Dr. Boyd at TRIA. He gave me the exact dates at this many months, you'll feel this at this many months, you'll feel this. He turned out that he was almost to the day exactly right with the rehab process. And I came back Bigger, faster, stronger than I had ever been before. So, if you, if, whether you're an athlete trying to get yourself back on the field or you're just a guy like me that was hoping that his wife would let him go skiing again, <laughs> if you've got an injury, go to Tree Orthopedics. Uh, so, it seems like a lot of the teams in the West, uh, Calgary and Colorado, also made a lot of trades. So, my question to you is uh, which team in the West uh, moved the needle the most for themselves as far as uh, improving their chances to win a cup? Anthony? Well, I thought Calgary did the week before that they made the first big deal when they brought Toffoli in, and that was a major deal for them. I actually thought the teams in the East were the more aggressive yeah. teams. Lindholm going to Boston was a huge deal for the Bruins. They desperately needed that. And it, but I think Calgary probably, you know, St. Louis made a couple sneaky moves yeah. that I think made them better. But I, I, I really think Toffoli to Calgary was was maybe the biggest yeah. impact move among the Western contenders. And that was done a month uh, earlier. Um, right. the, the trade that happened the other day that I think that elite, a lot of people in the Western Conference that don't watch the East a lot are going to suddenly realize was an incredible trade was, was, uh, was, was Colorado getting Lekkonen. Like, he is a good, good hockey player. Then they get add Nico Stern. They get Cagliano. Um, I feel like they had one other piece. Um, you know, I just think those were sneaky moves to make a team that – Believe it or not, wasn't very deep. Now they're a deeper team. And Sturm helps them. Yeah. He um, was playing with Rantanen last night. Did you see that? Yeah. Well, Landeskog's still hurt. Right. But still, I mean, yeah. he's... He's got to be, like, uh, a little different than uh, right. Minnesota. Didn't look quite right to see him wearing yeah. number 78, yeah. but... But, uh, yeah, Arturi Lekkonen, I think, was the one underrated move that day that I think a lot of people... I like the Cogliano move for them, too. Yeah. I'm, uh, yeah, I, I kind of wanted to uh, – that, that's the worst part of uh, missing the game on Sunday for me because I'm going to miss that Colorado game is I really wanted to see this sort, this new-look Avalanche team and see how the Wild fare against that team. Obviously, the games in Minnesota usually against that team, uh, you know, a lot more competitive than when those games are in Colorado. Uh, it, did you write your name down on there? 
and you can take some swag as well. Um, anybody else uh, have questions? There we go. Come on up. Yeah, hi. So uh, this is a little bit more of a reckless speculation, but uh, you guys touched on how this offseason is going to be really wild. Obviously, next two years we have $15 million in dead cap because of the Parisian suitor buyouts. Yeah. But um, who do you think is most likely to be out there? Do you think we're just going to kind of go in just wheeling and dealing, or are we going to kind of wait and materialize and just kind of see how the rest of the league plays out? This offseason? This offseason, yeah. Uh, in terms of moves? Yep. I think it's going to be a very, very busy offseason. Okay. Especially if, um, if Delorier, Fleury, Middleton, who's going to warrant a new deal unless they don't qualify him, if they prove themselves and they're going to resign them, they're going to have to trade off pieces. And, and so I... I do think around the draft that we could see, you know, if they're going to re-sign Fleury, Talbot's probably going to have to go, and they're going to have to go get themselves a million and a half uh, goal, backup goalie, which is very, very doable in this league. And then, you know, you sign Wallstat, you bring him to Iowa, and you develop him properly there. Um, and then if that happens, I mean, I, I, as I said, I think that we're going to see, a, you know, a Fiala-type move or a Dumbo-type move. I mean, they're going to have to create cap space for this. Deloria is going to be the interesting one because the Wild... The wild, wild fans will fall for this guy. And so will management, and definitely the, the coach. Have. Don't you agree? <laughs> yeah. yeah, you're yeah. in already after one game. Oh yeah, yeah. no, <laughs> uh, that first shift, I was like, he's great. Yeah. He's great. Didn't Ryan yeah. White score in his first game as a wild too? He, he might have. I think he did. Uh, yeah, yeah. That was I'm a little saying, different, right? I think this is a little different, but but you know, it's a little different. And there's just there's so much that we've watched. One of these guys for one game, the other two guys haven't even played for the Wild yet, so. It, it's so early to be guessing on, well, they're going to want to lock him up. They're going to want to keep him. They're, uh, let's just see what happens. Yeah, no doubt. Um, and With all those other moves, too, that we're talking about around the West, so much of that depends on what the matchups end up being because depending on who you're facing, very different guys can end up being the guys that move the needle in a series. And if Minnesota winds up playing against somebody like Vegas who was bigger and stronger than them last year, Delorier might be the key guy. And if Colorado ends up playing somebody quicker, smaller, faster like Nashville, all of a sudden Sturm might be the key guy. But you just don't know. You don't know what the matchup is going to be with who you're going to face and the way that when you look at those teams in the West, it's very different. I mean, look at Minnesota might be, if their current path, like right mm-hmm. now, it would be St. Louis first and Colorado second and then Calgary. Well, those are different matchups. Um, don't, uh, don't forget to sign there. Um, are you, by the way, looking at the food at this table right here? I mean, this is unbelievable. We're at Split Rocks here in Wyoming, and, um, I'm just frothing at the mouth here like a, like a lab, and, uh, definitely not on my profile plan, but holy moly. Anyway, I mean, look at that. It is, that is looking impressive, actually. Yeah, it is, yeah. Uh, so, um, if you want to go over there for a while, yeah. we can field some questions. Um, Marcus Foligno and uh, Deloria, what a, what a cool relationship they have. I mean, they're just ripping on each other. It's hilarious. Uh, um, and the best press conference question last night came from Marcus Foligno as he was waiting in the wings, as the Wild now do with their pressers. And he, the last question to Deloria before he left the podium was, uh, is it true that you were aiming top shelf but actually, but actually shot five hole? And I just thought it was hilarious. So those two just... Um, those two have a great relationship from their days in Buffalo, so it's pretty neat to see. This locker room is super tight. Um, Delore talked about how he's already feeling it, and he's been on a lot of different teams and things like that. Uh, thanks for your question. Grab some swag. That was one of the other things. Grab something else. Don't feel like you have to take that. That was one of the other things Billy said yesterday that I thought was interesting. Was he said, "I as I started to look at what I thought we needed, I really didn't. I, I did worry about the chemistry because what has happened so far this year yeah. has been." so good and it's been what the team has achieved has been so impressive but I also looked at it that way and thought I was so confident in the core of leaders that we had inside the room that they'd be able to absorb a few new personalities and the guys in the room loved Capo they loved Nico Sturm but because the there's so much strength in there and they've had some success together that I mean you mentioned it I, I just felt like there was you could see it the first, when Delorier scored and went by the bench last night. Yeah. The, these guys were excited for him. Yeah. And, and excited uh, to have him. Yeah. Um, and I think it's cool also the communication that Bill Guerin had with Cam Talbot the last couple of days. Um, you know, he, when Bill calls these guys up before the trade deadline, too, I wonder if he texts them first and says, hey, I'm about to call you, but don't worry. You know, like, <laughs> you imagine all of a sudden you're Cam Talbot, you're sitting at home, Bill Guerin calls your phone. Or same thing with Marcus Foligno. I'm sure Marcus 
uh, dealt with a, a couple due diligence conversations about uh, Delorier. Um, but I think that it's neat that Bill realized that if he was going to move Kakinen and keep Cam, that he had to make sure that Cam's head was in the right place to, one, accept the competition, but two, not flounder from the fact that he might think that, look, they're getting flurry because they're not happy with me. And for, you know, yesterday it could have gone either way, Anthony. I mean, you know, a lesser man, a lesser pro, a less experienced or, um, or confident pro might have gone out and gotten shelled 8 nothing. He goes out and pitches a shutout. I think that says something. And, and maybe the Wild are going to have a good one-two punch down the stretch here and that they're going to essentially alternate. And with how heavy the schedule is, I think that would be great. I think it would be great for both of them going into the playoffs to be a little fresher, a little more rested, a little healthier, a little sharper. I mean, Cam, he hasn't been as good here in the second half, and there's no question that he's been fighting through some things as so many guys in the league are at this point. But now this way he doesn't have to play every night. So now you can you could give him sometimes you look at the schedule and you say, all right, well, if we gave him this game off, he'd really get four days of yeah. rest. And I'm sure there'll be some of that for both of them heading from here to the finish. And don't be surprised if you see both of them in the postseason. Yeah. And there's nothing that says one guy has to be the only guy that plays in the playoffs. You might be in a spot where this guy plays Tuesday and Thursday, Well, and then there's travel. Well, let's give him a day off and play the other guy in the next game. How funny would it be if, like, they, like Marc-Andre Fleury going to game seven of the second round has three victories and they just play Cam because they don't want to give up the first. <laughs> That'd be hilarious. And they win. That'd be uh, ultimate. Funny, I don't think that'll go through Dean's game plan when he's picking his goaltender. <laughs> uh, questions, come on up. Should we bring the mic to you? <laughs> yeah, well, maybe we need to do that. I don't think the... Here, if you yell the question, well, uh, here, somebody relay the question. Yeah, yeah don't, don't trek up here. We have somebody on crutches that wants to come up and ask a question. All right, what's the question? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you just relay the question in the mic for people. Yeah, I think they're not pulling Merrill out. I don't it's going to be Goligoski or, or Kulikov, and, and my gut says that they might alternate, and, which is a shame, by the way, because if, I think it's two games. If Goligoski is scratched, he won't hit 1,000 this year in this, in this jersey, but... I think after, I mean, Kulikov was really good last night. Same with Merrill. I, I just have this feeling we're going to see Goose out. Um, you know, think, especially because they have power play guys that could fill it, that, you know, take his role in the power play. Yeah, although he's been on the power play, Kulikov's not. So it's, I think that's, I actually think it's probably Kulikov's the first guy to come out. But I, I do think you'll see both of them out at different times. And it depends on where Middleton fits. If he fits where he can play with Spurgeon, you know, now it's very different. If he fits better playing with Merrill, you know, who knows? But yeah. I, I think Merrill has played his way into the number five spot. Well, maybe five, assuming that Middleton's in the is one through four. I, I really think and Kulikov, in fairness to him, he's been playing on his offside most yeah. of the season. And if he's playing on the left side, maybe we're never having this discussion. And you know, that's not easy for a guy who I know he says he's played over there some, but you can tell that he he's a little off when playing on his offside. Uh, we'll see. I mean, I, I think there's plenty yeah. of games and there's plenty of time for all these guys to have their nights off, yeah. off in the lineup. I do sometimes think that still contracts rule the roost here. And, and you know, one has a three-year deal in Merrill. Kulikov has another year left on his deal. They're clearly not re-signing Goligoski at this point. So maybe that that means something. But, but yeah, you, I think you're right. I mean, it wouldn't be shocking to me if they just say, you know what, Goose, you're staying in Kulikov. Well, and the way that, Either the way, way, it's tough to see. Yeah, I mean, and, and you could say that, well, based it on the power play guys, which he's been using the two sets of defensemen, Goligoski with Spurgeon, Brodine with Dumba the last few games, and the power plays looked dramatically better. At the same time, they use Kulikov a lot on the penalty kill. And right now they haven't exactly had a plethora of defensemen who have looked great on the penalty kill. So I, I'm not sure. We'll see. I'm, I, I'm sure we'll see both of those guys in and out of the lineup. Part of me wonders if you, if you take Goose out, then you go with, you know, your traditional, you throw a fourth forward out there on the second unit, and maybe that's Tyson Jost or somebody. You know, I, at some point I, I think they're going to have to give Jost a little look there. I mean, you, you got him because you think he's, an, you know, got more offensive upside, and yet you're playing him on the fourth line and not giving him any real – opportunity to show that part of the game on on special teams so or at least on the power play part. yeah it's possible and they could do that without disrupting the rest of the lineup the mm -hmm. way that they've the way they've done it lately here the 
they really don't use the grief line on the power play. It's just the other two. But using those two with two sets of defensemen doesn't disrupt the rest of your line rotation either. And you could easily do that with a fourth liner jumping in there. Right. Hey, I want to tell you about my friends over at Profile. Staying healthy during Minnesota winters isn't easy. Short days and cold nights make it hard to eat right and stay active. Uh, so do long plane rides on long road trips, by the way. Um, but don't panic. I have a solution for you, and the solution is called Profile. When you join Profile, you're assigned a certified health coach who is with you every step of the way. In fact, today at practice, I talked to Deb, my Profile health coach, on the phone. The coaches are amazing, and the food is delicious. Profile worked for me, and it can work for you, too. Don't delay. Visit ProfilePlan.com slash TwinCities. And launch your transformation today. Tell them that Russo sent you. That's profileplan.com slash Twin Cities. Kowalski's is the place to go for the best food. And when you're going to have a great meal, you got to start with great ingredients. And I always do that at Kowalski's. We had a couple really good ones lately. We had Akushi strips last night for dinner. We had halibut the night before with a pistachio crust on it that was awesome. And I've mentioned to people this. I think I might have called it the buck bucket, but it's really, I saw the sign yesterday, it's called the cheese bucket, but it's the same thing. It's The gist of it is that you get the great cheeses. So if you go there, check it out. It's in their little deli area and try the Bella Santori soaked in cognac. It like costs like $90 a pound, but you get a little chunk of it for like seven or eight bucks and it's worth it. Just have a couple slices of it. You'll love it. You won't be disappointed. Check it out. The cheese bucket at Kowalski is just another reason to go there. Everything is about to change. If you've been watching the news, you know that interest rates are likely to rise several times in 2022. That means the time to sell your home is now. Buyers want to buy before rates go up, so they're highly, highly motivated. And if you're holding out because you can't find a place to move to next, well, Christendal Real Estate has the perfect solution to help you. It's their guaranteed offer program. Guaranteed offer means you can sell now while your equity is high, then pick your closing date so you have more time to buy while interest rates are at historic lows. Bottom line, when interest rates rise, selling opportunities fade. Now is the perfect time to sell your current home and find your next one, but the window is closed. Closing fast. By this time next year, don't regret sitting on the sidelines while others perfectly time the real estate market. Act now and take advantage of this unique and once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Join thousands of other homeowners who have already received a guaranteed offer by Christendahl.com today. That's Christendahl.com. That's Chris with a K. Some terms and conditions apply. Um, questions, Barb? <laughs> I'm going to start calling names if you don't come up. <laughs> Anybody in here that I know your name, beware, Margo. <laughs> okay, so what is your level of concern, or isn't there one? I'm never concerned. With, I'm always with, calm. Right. With, with, with the um, um, just face-off wins, seems to be really s struggling there. They have been struggling all year. It seems is, the, is a nice word to put it that way, a nice word to use. It's, <laughs> they've struggled all year, and I've talked with their analytics guys about it. I've talked to Billy Guerin about it, and they've, they've done analytic studies that say that it doesn't matter as much as some people think it does. And Dean Evison knows it matters, as evidenced by the practice drills they've been doing to try to win face-offs lately. And it always seems like they, they come up huge and the playoffs where possession is everything down the stretch in a game and it's so weird to me because i don't know what you think they've got some guys who just seem like they should be really good face-off yeah, guys like erickson like x should hartman. be a really good face-off guy the kind of player that hartman is he just looks like he should be a really good face-off guy and they just they just haven't been for whatever reason and you know now, now they're their analytics tell you that over the course of a game, face-off win percentage doesn't necessarily equate to wins. But a face-off can make a huge difference at a key time in a game. So, you know, in the past, they always had one guy they could lean on to, to win those draws, and they haven't, that guy hasn't surfaced yet this year. We'll have to see. Yeah, and, uh, you know, deep down, I don't think Bill is as concerned about it as the numbers just because, I mean, he's had ample opportunities the last couple of years to at least go add you know, quote-unquote face-off specialist, and he hasn't felt the need to do so because his, his importance is that that player can play the game at a high level and a regular shift. Like, you know, last year they could have gotten Glenn Denning for nothing. He wasn't even traded by a bad Red Wings team, which just shows you that for a guy that was as good as he was face-off-wise, the fact that 30 other teams at the deadline didn't feel the need to trade for him, maybe they didn't think that face-offs matter as much anyway. So 
Um, What's kind of interesting, and this it was about a week ago I looked at it, so the numbers might be a little different right now, but the Wild at that time were 28th in the league, so there were four teams behind them. Yeah, two of them. One was Washington, one was Colorado, one was Florida. Yeah. Three of the best teams in the league. Now, at the same time, on the other side, the top six teams in the league in faceoffs, five of them were playoff teams. So it, you, if you want to look at it that way and say, well, look, all the teams that are the best are playoff teams too. You could, so you can look at it either way, and the reality is it hasn't hurt them nearly as much as you would think it would. Yeah. Where it really hurts, I think, is the PK. Like when your PK is struggling and you're losing the first draw every single time, or when your power play is struggling and you're losing the first draw every time, it just, you know, it just makes for you know, further compounding the lack of success. So feel free to write your name down and win that chair. Um, and you can bring this uh, hat to Heather. So uh, <laughs> uh, other questions? Vinny? Don't you think? Well, I don't understand why your family, maybe it's because they just have to hear you all the time. That they don't just well, they want can to ask be you get, a question. Yeah, but what they, they like, they're never confident to come out, uh, up to the mic and just rip on you. And I think that would be the most <laughs> fun thing to do after having to live with you. Don't you they're think they're free that would be to do it? I'm not telling them not to. But they should be confident. They're the son and wife of a play-by-play guy that that likes to talk, even on his off days. <laughs> I don't He's talk at, at home. It. I don't. I don't talk at home. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Um, what was I gonna say? <laughs> Uh, I was going to ask about Miko. I seen your thing on with Miko. Um, I don't know. Maybe I missed it. I was wondering if you think he'd ever come back and like be a, some sort of a coach, something like that, and you know, be part of. He's going to be in Finland. I, you may have talked about that. I don't know. Um, I was wondering if it was like 100 degrees during that because you were really sweaty. <laughs> were you? Um, and then during the special, you're talking about. Yeah, 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 yeah. the special. It was a little I watched warm it last night. night. It was great. I yep. liked it. What I seen, I missed a little bit of it, but uh, it was I was really good. Miko, and then can you talk? Why trade Fiala? Like even considered? I mean, you need a couple of couple of guns. So if you can talk to Bill, you guys say you <laughs> talk to him. Uh, why? Why get rid of him? I don't know. Well, we haven't traded Fiala See yet. See you, <laughs> And I'm not convinced that it's a done deal that they will. It might be, but it's not done yet. But the Miko thing, it was it was great, and absolutely, he wants to come back and be a part of the organization somehow, yeah. some way. We I talked to him specifically about coaching. He coached the Finnish World Junior Team in the World Junior Tournament that wound up getting canceled after they had played the first game only there. He loved the ability to work with guys, not just in specific skills, but just he loved the psychology of it, sitting down and meeting with him and watching a conversation he had with a guy then lead to success on the ice. He also said, I just don't, I don't want to jump into coaching in the NHL until I know I'm ready. And he said, I'm not ready yet. He, he learned... He learned there just how much work goes into being a coach. It isn't just show up at the rink and throw the skates on and go out and run a couple drills. The preparation, the film study, the practice planning, all of that stuff, he said he realized it's a lot more work than he ever thought it was. And there might be a little awkwardness to stepping into a room where you were teammates with a lot of these guys. And I think you have to have a little more confidence as a coach before you're willing to step into that spot and pull a guy aside and say, hey, I think you ought to try this. Yeah, well, but Darby didn't do it right away with guys that were his teammates. Most of the guys that he came back to coach, there were very few that were his teammates when he started coaching. Yeah, Darby, remember, when he started, he was doing TV. He was TV guy. And then realized that that he had to I got to steer Anthony. clear of the guys at Fox Sports North. I better go back into coaching. We can respect that. Right. So, question? So you were talking about a possibility of Cam being traded if, mm-hmm. like, Fiala gets traded? Oh, yeah. Well, or... I mean, this is only if, you, if, if they're going to re-sign Flurry, they're not going to be able to have well, a Well, that's my Fleury. question is, do you think if Flurry just loves it here and does amazing here, it's a big possibility? I think that Bill will try. I do. And especially, you know, if you could sign Marc-Andre for one or two years and buy time for Wallstead, who they think is the future here, I, I think it works. Um, you know, uh, uh, you know, I do. I do. You know, but again, that is total conjecture. The Fiala stuff is educated uh, speculation. So, I mean, that's just, you know, doing math and talking to people inside the organization. I know, I know you're laughing, Anthony, but I mean, I would not trust me. I'm a reporter, 
I understand. You know, I, I would it, not be putting we, out we this all can stuff. Do the, the I'm just saying. The math is all the same. I'm just I'm saying just it's not you. that there's a lot right. of things that could change before that right. time. Right. And the flurry thing is absolutely conjecture. That right. we have to see well, how and, everything and happens. And what if Flurry's willing to sign a really small deal? Yeah. And and it, you wind up with those two guys still there. I don't that's even possible. Yeah, uh, potentially. What's up? So with the success that Marc Andre Fleury has had, why was he the odd man out in Pittsburgh and in Vegas? Well in Pittsburgh they I mean they had Matt Murray there and um was it Jerry coming up? Well um, it was Murray first that, yeah. that Made um, him expendable yeah. in the, in the I mean, expansion draft. Um, and then Vegas, I mean, that one still, that one was bizarre how that all came about. They went out and added Leonard and, and created that bit of a, a bit of a mess there. Um, but, uh, but yeah, look, I mean, look, as much as Marc-Andre Fleury, uh, um, his resume is impressive and Hall of Fame bound and all that stuff, he's had his playoff failures throughout his career. Um, you know, he's won three cups. He was the backup in two of them, basically. Well, yeah, he lost, lost his job, job. Yeah. during the playoffs in so, two of them. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, but, it, you know, that's... Goaltending. There's, and there's a lot of... There's, it, there are just some people who people always look at and say, okay, he's succeeding, but I just can't figure out how or why and don't trust it. And he just feels like he's always been that guy. Yeah. That when, like in Vegas, for example, remember, it... There was talk that Leonard was going to take his job during the series against the Wild. Yeah. And after they beat the Wild in the first round, Leonard started game one of the next series. Fleury is And got has, shellacked. He got shellacked, but and so therefore Fleury went back in. But it was they were trying to move on to Leonard for the next round. Yep, no doubt. Um, it, it, I still remember that 2003 draft like it was yesterday in Nashville. It was an amazing draft, obviously. Everybody pretty much made the uh, show, except for guys like Hugh Jessamine and, and people like that. But... What was unbelievable of that draft is that the Florida Panthers had the number one overall pick in the draft, and they actually traded it to the Pittsburgh Penguins to flip to number three. They got like Michael Samuelson. And, um, and uh, so Pittsburgh takes Flurry. They did that, obviously, because they had just traded for Roberto Luongo three years later, so they didn't need a franchise goalie going number one overall. But where the mistake really lied is that they, they traded for the third pick, Carolina took Eric Stahl, and the, and the Panthers wind up with uh, Nathan Horton. So, you know, two, one Hall of Fame bound, one guy that will probably not get in the Hall of Fame but would be in the conversation in Eric Stahl at the end of his career, and then Nathan Horton, who unfortunately had the, you know, career-ending back injury um, at the end when he, I think he was playing for the Leafs. But, but uh, really, you look back at that draft. Two Maybe years, the best draft you know, in league history. Yeah, two years in a row. The Florida Panthers had the number one overall pick and traded it down. And uh, the f- first time, they took Jay Bomeister, could have had Rick Nash. Second time, uh, they could have had Marc-Andre Fleury or Eric Stahl and took Nathan Horton. And by the way, in 98, they also could have had the number one overall pick but traded it and uh, wound up being Vincent LeCavier. So Panthers uh, explains why they haven't won a playoff round since 1997. Um, any other questions? Uh, Bruce Boudreaux is in town on uh, Thursday, the Vancouver Canucks. I talked to him today uh, for a big story that's going to be in The Athletic on Thursday. So that'll be fun to see him again. Weird game, though. They, they play in Colorado the night before, so they won't get in until 3 a.m. They won't have a morning skate. So he's not even going to really be able to see anybody. He's, he's, uh, he's got those guys in the hunt, at yeah, least. I mean, but man, it's, they've it's, had a bad week. That yeah, right. It's going to probably cost them a playoff spot. And it's, I mean, it's still a major uphill fight. But yeah. the fact that they're even remotely relevant, considering where they were when he took over, is, is remarkable. Yeah, no doubt. Um, trying to think if there's anything else to talk about. It was kind of cool to see Charlie Coyle last week. Um, he's that guy is such a good guy. That whole, that whole locker room area after that Boston game was just like everybody. You had Nick Felino and Marcus Felino. You had Holla down there and Coyle down there. Charlie told me actually a funny story. This is how the show will end. What are the chances of this? Okay, um, I assume I could tell the story now. So Charlie, this summer I get this direct message from somebody or a tweet, a live tweet. You could actually go and search it from just some random uh, fan who I've since reached out to to tell her the story. It says, hey. Um, is there a chance that, like, Charlie Coyle is about to sign with the Wild or something? He's, like, in Invergrove Heights at some restaurant or something, something like this. And so I take a screen capture of this tweet, and I send it to Coyle, and I said, hey, uh, you know, you can't hide anywhere. I know you're here or something like that. So then he, like, sends me a text back, like, uh, keep it under your hat. Turns out that he was secretly in town meeting with now his fiance's 
dad to ask for his daughter's hand in marriage. And some man happened to see him hiding in the corner and put it out on Twitter. And he's like, thank God that my fiance is not on Twitter, but I see this and I had a heart attack. He's like, I'm already sweating and nervous as it is. And then I get a text from you saying, I know you're here. And he's like, oh, I immediately went to your Twitter account to make sure you didn't tweet I was here. It was just, uh, I thought it was funny. So, uh, it just shows that's you. That's a great story to end with. Yeah, I think it's a perfect story to end with. Uh, Margo, unless you want to come up. All right, last call. All right, we're done. Uh, thanks to everybody for coming out. JoshDriverPhotography.com. Come out and check out his portfolio over here. Uh, super talented, um, affordable, and uh, awesome, awesome. Uh, you know, like especially for me, like I moved out to the uh, burbs here from downtown Minneapolis. So uh, my entire... Uh, you know, house is full of all these scenes of areas of where I used to live, and it just kind of reminds me of when I used to live in downtown Minneapolis. Um, thanks to Split Rocks for having us. Our next live show, Monday night, March 28th, 7 p.m., Auntie LaPanta and a guest or two. Uh, it's a surprise to you guys, and it's a surprise <laughs> clearly to those guests. Um, thanks to our... They'll know when they need to know. Yeah, they'll know when they need to know. Margo, this is up to you to put on Anthony's calendar that he needs to secure guests for next week's show. You don't think they're secured. I just have this feeling. I'm amazed that you're going to remember that there's a show, let alone <laughs> that you're going to get people out there. So, um, but I, if worse comes to worse, just call me at the GM's meetings. I'll be on uh, the beach with a glass of wine or something. Uh, thanks to Josh Driver. Thanks to Tria. Thanks to Kowalski's profile by Sanford Aquarius, a local authorized dealer for Connecticut Water Treatments. Chris Lindahl Real Estate, Bosch Law Firm, Minnesota Propane Ascent, uh, Association. Thanks to Brianne. Thanks to Brandon. Thanks to you. So much coming out, there's nothing going in I know that you feel like you're never gonna win Oh, but the world won't forgive a winner Well, I'm the, rep I'm the reporter. Guess what, everybody? The Chin Music Podcast is going to broadcast live on March 26th from 11 Wells Distillery near downtown St. Paul. That's right. 11 Wells Distillery, which has wonderful spirits like the Minnesota 13 Barrel Aged Whiskey, as well as the Boiler Room Barrel Aged Rum. You've heard us talk about the 11 Wells on the show. You can come see for yourself while listen to myself, Jim Suhan, and Roy Smalley talk about baseball, spirits, music, and more baseball. So check us out at 11 Wells Distillery on March 26th at 7 p.m. See you there.